Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want any more information on the sermon series we're doing, other podcasts or other things we've got going on, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Mark 5 has a character who has created no shortage of books and articles and other things to talk about, right? His name is Legion. Well, his name is not, but something inside of him is, right? Their name is Legion. Kind of imagine like a, you know, Gollum or something, (laughs) something Lord (laughs) of the Rings. Anyway, I do at least. So yeah, when we talk about this demoniac, Jesus gets off the boat after having just calmed the storm in Mark chapter 4, and I'm pretty convinced that part of what's happening in all of this is the disciples are being pushed out of their comfort zone a little bit, and all these bad things start happening. And I, I don't think it's too much to say when bad things happen, a lot of times people freak out and go, why are you doing this to me, God? You know. Right. So I almost kind of imagine... Uh, Jesus stacking the deck sort of to, to push the disciples as far as he possibly can. And as they get off the boat in the other region, which is right near, it's not really a town, but it's a little region called the Gerasenes. And the, 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 the town nearest to them is Gergesa, which is just up the road from a bigger city called Hippos, which is up on top of a hill. And as that's happening, out of the caves of the side of the of the cliff, this man runs out screaming and freaking out. Right. I mean, can you be imagine being the disciples? Like, they get off this boat where they just thought they were going to die, and then mm-hmm. Jesus calms the storm, says they're afraid, and then they're, like, on the beach walking toward, and then some guy starts running out. They're like, again? <laughs> right? <laughs> we just did something. <laughs> exactly. And not just any, I mean, he's yelling and screaming, really the boldest statements against the son of man that we've seen so far, right? Mm -hmm. Are you here to destroy us? You know, what are you doing? You shouldn't be here. Yeah. Don't torment me. Right. And then, uh, yeah. So what's interesting is this guy is uh, a Gentile with Mm -hmm. the demon and he's in this Gentile land. Chris, what is, what is the context that surrounds demon possession that's maybe different than some of the demons we've encountered in the book of Mark so far. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about it a couple of times. And so I'll just bring a couple of these little details up here. The, it seems like Jesus is dealing with tons of demon possessed people in this region. And that's not a surprise, partly because the Decapolis, which is the area that Jesus is in at this point, which just means 10 cities, Deca, 10 polis cities. Uh, the Decapolis is just a region you know, really named by the Romans saying, here's 10 cities. We lump them together. Now they're called the Decapolis. They trade with one another. Uh, you know, Bet Shean is the furthest to the west. The furthest north would be Caesarea Philippi. Hippos is one of those. So if you just think about that's three of the 10 and they all sort of are, are looped right around there. Yeah, it'd be like calling something the Bay Area. Sure, like very much so. Those cities, modern cities, a little bigger, but you know, like... Right. Uh, you're throwing just a bunch of things together. Yep. And the modern cities all touch each other. These wouldn't necessarily be that close to one another. But but yeah, same idea. Just the idea of, yeah, this region called the Decapolis. So in the Decapolis, there are tons of, of temple systems built, worship systems built. 
you know, Bet Sha'an has a number of ruins that you can see. Hippos up on the hill. I, I've I've hiked it uh, as sun was going down, and was diving into various temple. Mm-hmm. You know, finding the foundation of the temple and climbing underneath it and into the, some of the crypts. I was probably in places I wasn't supposed to be, but it was awesome. Uh, but any one of these, they all have tons of different temples built. Some are to Zeus, but the majority of the worship in the area was to Pan. Mm-hmm. And and Pan is this goat, half goat, half man. You know, he's basically what we would call a fawn, if you think about that, right? A goat, goat, two goat legs and a human body. Um, and what he was was a god of of fertility and a god of of the harvest. And so he would just come out and play his little his little flute, and his flute would allow things to grow. And so grass would grow up and. Everywhere that he went, it was green. And so you can imagine the Romans having just hiked through a bunch of desert and they get to this location, which is at the base of the hill of Mount Hermon, which is tons of streams and flowing rivers. You know, the Jordan River feeds the Sea of Galilee just just to the, the, the west of some of these towns. So all of these places are well irrigated. They're green. And if you compare that to the desert just over the hill in Syria, right, this is a nice area. Or just to the south in, in Egypt, you know, this is the one spot where this green exists. And so they began to just worship Pan there. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense, right? I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a God who brings green to things and you find green there, you'd say, oh, well, Pan is this. Well, the problem is you're also still in a desert location just about. So if things don't go well, who do you call on? Well, you call on the God that's being worshiped in the area. And if the God has the, the ability in your mind of bringing about the rains and bringing about the green, then of course you're going to go talk to him. But I think one of the things that I struggle with, with, with this whole concept of, of demon possession and, and worship of pan in this whole area, I think some people just think, you know, demons are just kind of jumping into whoever they want to jump into and all of this is happening. No, this is a very specific type of worship and you're asking a being to give you power that you can't get on your own. And what I struggle with is what the Bible is telling us is Yahweh doesn't do what all the other quote unquote gods do, right? He doesn't act like that. He, he's in control of everything. And if something happens, we just trust him and we walk with him through it. But what you see in the ancient world, especially in the time of Israel, as they take over the land and, and in the time of Jesus, there's a lot of people that were looking for a power. They wanted access to their own something, right? They knew they didn't have power, but they wanted to find it. And so they would go looking for it. And when you go looking for power in a region where a ton of, you know, really amazing religious events are going to occur, why would Satan's enemies or sorry, Satan's friends and and compatriots, why would they not be hanging out in this region to just try to mess up the story that God's trying to tell? Right, right. And when you say power, you're talking about supernatural power. Yeah. People are, are seeking supernatural power. Chris, can you unpack a little bit about your, you're talking about um, ancient Near Eastern mythology with sure. Pan. And, you know, when I, when I teach, like my kids are doing Greek history right now. So there's the Greek pantheon. Sure. Right? Uh, yeah, all their gods. And then, you know, the Roman gods. So when I teach that to them, I say like, hey, Zeus is not real, right? Like, sure. Hercules, not real. You know, all these other Greek gods, these guys aren't real. And, and that's not that's not, not true. But can you kind of unpack a little bit? You're talking about a, a mythological creature that I would say, okay, does is Pan a true god? No, not at all. 
but then there's demon mm-hmm. activity in the area. What's the connection there between like ancient mythology and then reality, uh, spiritual reality in that world and in our time today? Yeah, and I don't know any of us can be definitive right, on this, right? right? I, I don't think that any of us can say, oh, yes, absolutely. I don't think Zeus was real, but I can't guarantee that there was, never was a being who called themselves Zeus who was one of the rebellious angels away from God. Right. Right? So there's this, there's this thing of <coughs> if those beings are able to control dreams or to climb inside of people or to manage thoughts and wisdom, they can... You know, if you if you do enough drugs today, you're going to get a vision that you never had before, mm-hmm. right? Well, in the same way, if you're asking a power, which happens to be an in, a re, you know a rebellious angel, right? Or we would use the word demon, or we would talk about these these beings. We would say, okay, well, you're going to ask something else for power that you can't access, and if they started showing themselves to be able to use some of that power, then you'd absolutely surrender yourself to them. So are they real? I don't know. I don't know if, if the beings, the way that they're described, I don't know if pan ever really existed. I don't think he did, but the idea of pan, and then you go to a being who, like we see in revelation, God has the angels holding back the winds of judgment until the very specific time that he says, okay, it's time to do this. Right. Or he tells angels, go blow this trumpet and this is what's going to happen or go, go empty this bowl. And this is what's going to happen. He seems to have given some of the power of what makes creation creation to these beings to, to manipulate or, or run whatever. So can they stop a river? Well, absolutely, they can stop a river. We, you know, we see that. Was there an angel standing in the, in, the, in the Red Sea to stop the waves from doing what they... It's very plausible, right? I mean, who's to say that's not who God used to make that stop? So if those beings have that kind of power and they're able to do things that we wouldn't be able to do as humans and you go ask them for, for that, then they might be able to pull it off, right? They might be able to bring a, a good crop. And right. then all of a sudden you're going, oh, wait, they did what I want them to do. I'm asking them to give me power. They gave me the power that I need. I'll give you whatever you want. And all of a sudden now you've invited this demon into your life and now it's going to run the show. Right, right. And so I think there's this this fine line between like, mythology is not real but there is power behind spiritual beings yeah. that i think throughout history humans have taken that and interpreted that or given it names or given it a mythology around <laughs> that power i think sometimes it's easy to look at like you know norse mythology and greek and roman mythology and been like these guys are just dumb like right oh, look, we made up another God and this one has a hammer and isn't that cool? And this one, you know, does these types of things. And I, I think that's it's a little short-sighted of us to not see that there are real spiritual powers happening yes. behind these things that, yeah, maybe, the, you know, these people decided, well, we're going to give them names and things like that. <coughs> but it's not it's not just complete, like, utter nonsense there are powers behind these mm-hmm. that we should take seriously mm-hmm. i think that's it and i think if you just start doing that and then you go this coming back to the, what we started with this podcast if you if you just start there and you come back to it's a region that is hard to manage life yeah and you've got 
the promise from a priest or a, a, a shaman or a witch doctor or whatever of if you just do these things, this might go well for you. Even if it's just random chance, you might end up getting what you wanted and you go, well, I'll give you everything I've got. Well, if you've got demons roaming the world, which I still believe they are today, there's right. no, the Bible's not, it's not a f- work of fiction. You know, I, I struggle with some of the modern scholarship. John Walton wrote a book recently on, on demons, and I love John Walton's work most of the time. This one is basically suggesting that they just never existed. This is the, the Bible writing to try to communicate with other cultures in their terms rather than believing they're real. Well, I, has, I struggle with that. If right. Jesus has this instance happening in Mark 5, right. then this guy's just calling himself legion and he jumps out of his own body and, and fades a bunch of pigs and they run down into the water. That, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, the story starts to jive not correctly. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you go, you're actually subverting the text of scripture and saying, I don't believe this. So if I'm going to read Mark 5 and take it at face value, I think there's a guy that is something bad happened in his past and he looked for power that he couldn't get and he kept inviting these individuals in until they just tormented him. And now he is wandering the caves, cutting his body up. You know, we talk about tombs and I think most of us think of a cemetery, you know, like tons of gravestones and a nice flat plot. No, I've been to this hill. If you've been to Israel, this hill is just, it's a stark piece of rock rising up from the Jordan River Valley and on top of this hill is a city, Hippos. And this guy is just wandering in these caves. Well, where do you bury a body but in a cave, right? And if they're, it's a potter's field or a pauper, you know, you're trying to just give them uh, a place to rest. And so, yeah, okay. And so here, that's where this guy's living. And all of a sudden a boat comes up to the shore and he's going, what am I doing? And he walks down and these beings inside of him start reacting because they know that they're going to be judged once and for all by this other being. Right. And so they start screaming. No, we're not doing this. Is it time? This isn't time. You gave us more time. This is not supposed to happen. And that's what unlocks this whole passage to me. Right, right. And you can see that the from the motivation of an unclean spirit or a demon, like they might be willing to give somebody what they want for access to a person, right? Sure. So, so like you're saying, if there's a shaman who comes in and says, hey, uh, sacrifice a child and I'll make your harvest good, mm-hmm. and somebody does the evil of killing a child, that demon, if they, whatever power they can have, would probably use it to make that field mm-hmm. prosperous as best this demon can uh, to motivate this person mm-hmm. to then do more things and open up themselves even more. And so, yeah, you have this guy who's in there. And it's, it's. I think we can read these stories and be like, oh man, do, do I have a demon? Right. That guy had a demon. Like, how did that happen? Like, it, it just random guy got a random demon. Maybe just one day he was walking down the street, he stepped in some bubble gum, and it was demon bubble gum, and now he's got. And and that's not, not the case here. No, and it, and just so that we're totally clear, there's nothing close to that in the story. Nor do we even believe that. If if you are not looking for that type of power, you're not going to get it. Right. But this is part of why the Bible tells us don't mess with witchcraft. Right. Don't don't seek other spirits. Don't go doing these things. They might actually give you what you want, and that might be the most dangerous thing you've ever asked for. Right. And and I think there's an unhealthy curiosity. Like we should we should learn and know. I'm never going to say like don't figure anything out or you know like avoid learning things, but don't have that unhealthy curiosity mm-hmm. of like, oh, you know, like there's this TV documentary about 
hauntings and witchcraft or look let's just get this ouija board out and and try it out and see what happens this is just going to be fun you know like I, I to me the ouija board is one of those things where it's like this is the very tiny first step so mm-hmm. i'm not saying if you if you've used one you ha- certainly have a demon but that's that's a gateway into like hey Let's try to contact the spirit world, exactly. even if we're laughing along and we know in the back of our heads that we think it isn't true, but it might be, but oh, what's going on here? Like we're, we're just inviting spirit, negative spiritual influence into our life. We, yeah. gotta, we have to take this thing seriously. Very much so. And I think that's why this thing calls itself Legion, yeah. right? I mean, just to, to pull this all together here, I mean, if you're looking for power and might in a being that isn't human— and you're trying to get power that you don't deserve, where else would you go look for it but somebody that's able to, to beat somebody up or somebody yeah. that's able to do this? So you look back at the Old Testament and you hear these things of, these were the mighty men of old, right? The, the, the Giborim, these, these fighting men, these men that were valor. Well, why would they send Goliath in to fight? Because everyone's terrified of this guy. He's yeah. huge. And even Saul, who's the tallest of the people of Israel, right? And that's why they chose him to be king. That dude's shaking in his boots because he looks across the way and he goes, that that spear is like a weaver's rod. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. even if I'm strong enough to go up head to head against him, which Saul might have been, it, one, it just takes one swing and this is over. Yeah. So they're looking for power. They're looking for might and they're going to pick the biggest people. They're going to they're gonna do this. And in the middle of that, there's this sort of militaristic warrior-like feel to these individuals. So I don't think it's a surprise that when they say, my name is Legion... You go, oh my goodness, that's 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 a different term than you need to use otherwise, right? I mean, right. you could just say we're many or we're a multitude or no, saying the word legion, attaching that to the Roman understanding of legion, you're, whoa, okay, okay, yeah. this is this being is looking for a fight. This being, these beings are 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 warlike. They're they're strong and they want you to fight. So there's something going on here. And when we read that story, I think sometimes we just think, oh, that's really nice. That's cute. No, this isn't cute at all. This is an amazing thing. And I think the power of Jesus overwhelming the power of these demons is what we're supposed to be celebrating and excited about. That means that even if you have had interactions with one and it scared you to death, okay, that's good. Be scared. But at the same time, we have nothing to fear because we have Christ inside of us. Right. And so we don't need to be worried. There's nothing to be afraid of, but it is something to be aware of. Right. And so, Chris, I'm interested to hear your perspective. Both of us would agree that demon possession and demon activity happens in our modern day right? Um, around our world. But why do you think, you know, in Mark, this is now, we're, we're five chapters in, this is already the second demon that he's interacted with and then there are other mentions of him casting out demons and you know when he sends the disciples he gives them authority over demons so we assume that they're doing some of that as well so just in six chapters we have two very specific accounts a he did multiple demons then he sent these guys out to do demons you get this picture that like demon possession was i don't know common's probably too much but it's heard of Mm-hmm. Whereas why do you think today, or maybe at least in our culture here in America, we don't see demon possession or what we would, we don't recognize it? Well, I think first I would say demons themselves are a limited entity. We don't know how many angels God created. We don't know how many angelic beings there are. We don't know how many, you know, there's clearly tears in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. 
but we don't know how many of each of those tiers <coughs> exist. But, you know, there's some indication in parts of Scripture that maybe a third of them rebelled with Satan, mm-hmm. right? So that alone gives us a baseline. Let's say that third is a million. Okay, well, in the time of Jesus, there's how many million people that live on the whole earth? Right. They have a limited amount of people to go for, and Jesus hasn't done what he's going to do yet, so you haven't freed them from anything. So I think it's more common where Jesus is at for a couple of reasons. First, <coughs> there's way less people, and these beings exist, and they're trying to uh, just get up as much territory as they possibly can, and so they're infesting as many people as they can. Even if that same amount of beings existed today, you're going to run into it way less because there's 7 billion of us now. Right. That alone makes it way different. Secondly, I think this is really, really important. Jesus was prophesied from the Old Testament on that he was coming. The question was just exactly where and how, right? Mm -hmm. Once he's walking around, if I'm these beings, I would have set up shop in the place to try to trip him up and to try to trip up his plan. So I'm pretty convinced, and I've read this in a number of places as well, commentaries all over the place because this is one of the big discussions like there's a lot of healing going on from jesus and there's a lot of demon possession well the healing's pretty clear because a lot of romans were writing about the the soil in palestine and the dead sea itself seemed to fix lots of issues like you know various skin diseases and other things so they went looking for it It it's sort of like the spa region for them Mm -hmm. uh they had all these baths that herod had built and you could come and herod was a, a master uh you know um commercial person he's the pt barnum of, of the ancient world mm-hmm. right so come come to israel and you'll get exactly you know palestine get what get what you want you'll you'll feel freedom and all of these things at the same time a lot of really sick people were looking for freedom and demon possession would have been one of those things that they were looking for freedom from as well right. so and all of those things like those these trade routes all these people are converging on this one location and it just so happens to be the place that jesus is going to be doing his job yeah and that makes sense too because in the ancient world before modern hygiene and modern understanding of nutrition. Yep. Um, yeah, somebody could be blind simply because they have a vitamin deficiency. Yep. Because the only thing they ever eat is, you know, they eat the same thing every day all day. And so so that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe, maybe some of that is true. Maybe the waters or the soils or the foods found in this area are healing because, hey, guess what? You don't have scurvy anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this 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 food that they eat here has something that we haven't discovered called vitamin C and it helps us. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it, but it add to that people would see spiritual influence. Right. And they end up there too. And like I said, if these beings are trying to trip up the Messiah's job, right. So they're going to, they're going to get in on that. Mix. If, if he's going to pick 12 disciples and send them out, why wouldn't you try to trip every one of those 12 up to ruin this plan, right? To thwart yeah. the kingdom of God from doing what the kingdom of God wants to do. So I think you add all those things together. That makes the most sense to me as to why there's so much of it concentrated there. Is it still around? Yes. Is it as avid as it is in the beginning of Mark? I don't know that they've stopped acting. I just don't know that they have as much to do, right? I mean, Christ has already been won over. I know right. multiple friends who have had exorcism experiences where they've had to kick demons out of people. So they're running around looking and they get caught up in something. And we have a ton of Christians now who know what to do because we've read these verses. So they're like, uh, 
you know, they're getting kicked out. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting, I'm yeah. sorry, this gets me excited, but there, it gets them sent all over the place. And so they don't have as many bodies to infest now. And so to some extent, you know, they're wandering and they're trying to find quiet places to hide that they can just torment people instead of had these big encounters with Jesus because they lose every single time. Right. Right. And there, there are two other uh, points that I've heard that I think are interesting. I'm interested to hear your perspective. One perspective that I've heard too is we especially don't see this in the modern context because, uh, or, or uh, modern, um, what's the word I want to use? Western context, I should sure. say, because, or rational mind mindset yeah. or worldview. Yep. Yeah, because rational minds tend to discredit spiritualism, and the idea is Satan's tactic is to post spiritualize our culture. Sure. Which we're kind of seeing now, like <clears throat> you know, like religion versus science. You should you should pick religion and, and reject anything supernatural. And so Satan's like going to sit back and say, "Well, I'm not going to create spiritual action." In, for example, the United States of America, because that when I do, people will then maybe recognize spirituality as truth, and that might drive them even to look for someone like Jesus. Instead, I'll just let this culture drive itself into a rejection of all things spiritual. That's his tactic, and maybe that's why we don't see demon possession in America today. Yeah. And then the other one that I've heard is, is similarly our rational minds, and, and we're going to tread lightly on this because Chris, neither Chris or I are yeah. experts in this field we'll at all. We'll be very careful with what we're about to say and listen to us very closely. Yes. yes. So there is an idea that some, and I'm going to say some because I have no idea if it's between 1% and 99%, but some things that today we call mental illness could be spiritual and demonic in nature sure. as opposed to physical or mental in nature. So for example, what we might in our world, everything has to have a scientific explanation. So we say, oh, that person has a chemical imbalance in their brain that causes multi-personality or schizophrenia or something like that, when really what's happening in this particular individual is actually a, a demon. Sure. So, So we don't see it as much because we don't categorize it as that very possible yeah and like and, and you need to listen very closely to what alex just said we don't know if this is one percent or 99 percent. it might be two percent of all cases of say schizophrenia right. are actually demonic demonic in, in nature we don't know the answer and we're not trying to stand on a some type of secure ground like we have it all figured out at the same time it would be plausible and something that would explain at least part of what you're asking of why does it seem less today than it was then I think both of those are very valid possibilities. If if we live in a less and less spiritualized world that has rationalized everything and started to make it all make sense scientifically, if I were him and I'm in a fight against human beings, and by the way, if they're all choosing rationality and they're not asking God for things anymore, I've already won the battle to some extent in my right. mind. I don't need to fight any harder. I can sit back and wait until... Right the end when things get real crazy. I'm not going to remind everybody that the spiritual world exists when they have exactly. decided it doesn't. And vice versa, I already have my agents on the ground. They are wreaking havoc on this center of the population. I don't need to worry about it anymore right now. I'm going to yeah. let them. And if that means that some of what is making people very mentally ill is that, it, that would be very plausible and make a ton of sense to me. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it, all of those things are possible. And if you add them all up, I, I think there's a certain concentration that's happening at the time of Jesus in Galilee. And I think part of that is because they can read, they know what's going on, and they know that something is about to happen. God's doing some massive, amazing work. And they're trying to use their agents to get things done the way they want them to get done. You know, Herod didn't just kill all the babies because Herod's just a bad, bad guy. He is, but he also isn't really answering to God. He's trying to seek his own power and do his own thing. And so you add all those things up. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on right around Galilee at this time. And it should be no surprise that Jesus is fighting some of the battles he is. There you go. So with that said... I'm also not saying that every single Jew or every single religious leader is, is fighting. Uh, no, just chill. Don't, don't hear what we didn't say. Just listen to what we did say. 